0: Good morning. Once again, welcome to New Heights. We're thrilled to have you with us. And, uh, it's just in my makeup of who I am, uh, that I do this. Uh, a long time ago, we, we asked that people would, you know, invite others and, and, and build, um, our community and our congregation. And no one took that more seriously than, uh, than Wes and Kristen Collier. Um, and they had triplets and this is the first time they're back with us. We're so excited to see the triplets over there. Yay. We didn't actually ask anybody to do that, but they just went ahead and took initiative. Um, so that was great. Uh, excited to see the boys with us. They're so big. Um, so, good morning. Uh, uh, we uh, I, I've got to tell you, I'm in kind of a loopy mood, if, if you will. Um, our kids are at camp, and so it's freedom at the Crocker house. Uh, who knows what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Um, they're coming home today, uh, which is great. Love them. Um, but we have had a, a, a great weekend. Um, you know, the uh, we've been in this series talking about um, who we are as we are created in the image of God. We, we've uh, we, we talked about the fact that every one of us from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, it, it says he created the male and female in his image, he created them. So from the very beginning, we are told that in the image of God, we are created. Every one of us is created in that image, that image of God. And if you break that down, okay, what does that look like? What does God look like? Because that's a really big question, right? What does God look like? An old white guy with a big beard? Um, or that's what a lot of pictures look like, right? You can break it down into three parts. I believe, creator, redeemer, sustainer, father, son, spirit. And if, if God operates in these three forms, creator, redeemer, sustainer, and we are created in God's image, then we too are creator, redeemer, and sustainer. And when you start dropping stuff like that, when you start saying, hey, not only am I created in the image of God, I am created to create, to redeem and to sustain. If you really take that seriously and start looking into that, it's heavy. That's a big thing to say that I am created to be just like God. That's huge. I mean, because I know me. I know the things that I do. I know the things that I say. The things that I don't say. I know that I, the way that I treat people and the way that I don't treat people. I know the way that I cast out condemnation and judgment like they're tic tacs. I know these things about myself, and yet at the very core of who I am, I am created to create, redeem, and sustain. And so are you. Last week we talked about it briefly. Um, but the fact that we are created to create, we are to be creators, we are created to, to, to do something that only we can do to add to the kingdom of heaven. That God has gifted you with certain talents and gifts and skills that only he gifted you with. And he said, create and bring something to the kingdom of heaven. If we do not, it will not be created. And a lot of times I think what we think about is we think about people like Clayton, who who creates these beautiful pieces of art, who can hear a sermon or a song and and just riff with his Sharpie into what God is pulling out of him. And we think of these musicians up here and we think of these different ways that you can be creative. But there's also these things that you can create, you know, in, in accounting. I mean, some of you are really good at being creative in accounting, right? organizational structures, administratively. You can create in so many different ways these things that add to the kingdom of heaven. If we are called to be creators, then we are indeed supposed to create. But then the second part of that is to be redeemers. Now this, like the creation part I can get behind. I'm like, okay, I can get because I have kind of a creative mind and you all experience it, you know, most Sundays that you're here. Um, you know, it's not always, I don't always create greatness, you know, but it's always creating. But you get to redeeming, and then we start talking. Now we're starting to get into the meat, in my estimation, of God. And we start getting into this heaviness, this really solid, whoa, 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 redemption. This is big time stuff, God. God's like, The word in Hebrew for redeem is "pada." Say "pada." Now say it like you're Jewish. Say padah. Padah means two different things. It can mean a ransom that is paid. And what this ransom is essentially is... Uh, Money paid to relieve someone of some burden, some debt, right? It's it's money paid. You You owe a certain amount of money. You're held captive by something, and I will pay a ransom to get you from that. This is a term of redemption that we know very well. It's preached about a lot. This redemptive quality of God, the cross, that we had a debt, that our punishment was sin, that we were burdened by this, and God took the punishment and redeemed us. Paid the ransom. Died and rose again, so that we may have life. This is this term of redemption. This is what God means by this "pada" here. But then there's a second definition, and it means to take something that has been deemed worthless and to bring worthiness. To take something that has been deemed valueless and to remind or to reclaim the value that is there. Two scriptures. One, the book of Micah, chapter six and Micah, chapter six, verse four, says this, for I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron and Miriam to help you. Now, in this word, use of the word, it would have been Pada, because this is from the Old Testament, Hebraic. Now, in this, this is the second of these two uh, definitions of, of redemption, right? Because this is saying you were seen as worthless and I brought you out of the state of worthlessness and made you into sons and daughters. I reclaimed the value that was there. Now, there was value in the slaves, right? Because they were the ones who built the kingdom of Egypt. It was on their backs, their sweat, their blood, their death that this kingdom was built. But when one Jew died... More we're going to follow, right? So there was no value. The Egyptians had no value in these people. They were seen as tools, servants, slaves. And God redeemed them from this. God said, no, the world thinks you are worthless, but I know that there is value in you. And so I will pull you out of that. I will redeem what is there. The second use is found in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 68. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. This speaks to Jesus Christ. This speaks to the coming of the Messiah. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this, I don't know why I was holding that. Um, the, in this uh, scripture, you have um, this this first definition: this ransom, right? That Jesus Christ came and paid the ransom so that we might be free. Jesus Christ came and died. This was his paying of the ransom so that he could fill the covenant that uh, that God made uh, with Abraham and, and pay that debt. Now, if you're like me and you take upon these two different definitions of of redemption, one that is ransom, a debt to be paid, and the other that is bringing value out of something that is valueless, seems valueless. um, I choose door number two. Right. And here's the thing is. The first one, ransom, that ain't your job. That's been done. Jesus Christ has done this. This paying of the ransom, this has, this was His deal. He took the cross, not us. He died. He rose again. To con- he conquered death. Because He lives, we shall live also. This is ransom. This is what Jesus does. So if we are not to be Redeemers in that sense, then your only other option is to be the second. Redeemers in the sense of the book of Micah. Redeemers in the sense of where there is worthlessness, you bring worth. Where the world says there is no value, you bring value. So what does that look like? How many of you are um, recyclers? How many of you recycle stuff? How many of you hate planet Earth and the next generation and you don't recycle? Okay, yeah, you don't worry. I'm judging right there. It's okay. You know, we all fall from time to time. So recycling. And and this is an issue that some people get a little weird on in the South. They're even weirder in the Pacific Northwest in like Washington and Oregon up there in places like that. And my brother in law, who is from Seattle, uh, was here the first service. And I asked him about this and he, he did say, yes, this is the case. If you are seen to put stuff in the trash that should be recycled, you can be fined. A lot of money, like big time money and people go and they inspect it like they call Neighbors call out either other neighbors like, hey, uh, saw a tin can in your trash. You hate the earth. You know, I'm calling the recycle police. I don't know how they handle that, but there's stuff like it. And people take it really seriously down here in the south. We don't necessarily. Do you know that San Antonio is the greatest user of styrofoam cups in America? (laughs) That shouldn't come as a surprise to you for those of you who are involved in Fiesta. It's like, you know, bah, bah, you know, just several cups everywhere. Recycling isn't that big of a, of a deal here. You know, in one year, the amount of trash that Americans produce fills Bush Stadium where the St. Louis Cardinals play two times. And no, not every year. It's every day. We, we, we can fill Bush Stadium two times with the amount of trash that we produce. Every day. Now we can get into baseball and, you know, the fact that we should be filling that stadium with trash, but can you imagine that amount of trash? One can that is recycled can produce enough energy to play an entire album on, online. One can. What we do with recycling, essentially is say, what is trash can be used for something better. What is thrown out by society can be taken and used for something redeemable. Now, this is done in in many different ways. One is through artists. Have you ever seen an artist that will take trash and make it their medium? Now, regardless of whether or not you think that it's pretty, what a beautiful way. To take something that is thrown out by the world and say, no, 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 I don't see this as trash. I see this as beauty. Let me use it. What, what the world has said, this is no longer valued. There's no worth here any longer. Let me take it and bring value to it. Let me take it and make something beautiful. Other ways in which we recycle, we, we throw things away and, and the, the, we recycle plastic. And that plastic is, take, is taken and, and used to create something else. What once was valueless has value once again. This is redemption. Redemption is taking something that is seen as worthless, as trash, as no longer having value and saying, no, 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 no. This has value, just maybe not in the way that we saw. It's taking something that has been thrown out by the world and saying, no, 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 no. this isn't worthless. There is worthiness here. A lot of times, the, those things are those moments that we consider the most painful. The pain and suffering that exist in our stories, in our lives. Those are those moments where we feel less valued, where we feel just our life is just utter worthlessness. And God says, no, there is value here. Let me take this and bring it forward. Let me reclaim the worthiness that exists in this situation. This is what Jesus did with the woman at the well. You remember this story? Jesus and his disciples are walking into this town and they it's the hottest part of the day and they stop right out at the well at the outside of town. And Jesus is like, hey, Jesus is hungry. Go get him some food because he spoke in third person a lot. We just don't interpret it that way. And, and so the disciples go into town and they get um, they get some food for Jesus. Right. And he says, I'm kind of thirsty because it's the hottest part of the day. I'm going to go get some water at the well. And along comes this woman, this Samaritan woman. Now, a few things we know about this interaction that's about to occur. Right. If the woman is coming at this time of day, the hottest part of day, that means she has lived her life in such a way that she is an outcast and not welcome at the time that everybody else hits the well. Or she doesn't feel like she's safe there. Because nobody in their right mind would come on one of those hot, blistering hot uh, days in the desert to get the water. You'd come early. You'd come early to the well and get your water and do the stuff. And you'd have your little water cooler talk, your water well talk. and And you'd share the news about the community. And you would talk about the people who weren't there. Right? So this woman is probably one of the choice topics of conversation around the water well. You know, well, we don't know her name, right? She's the Samaritan woman, but we'll call her Betty. Very Hebraic name. You know what Betty did, right? Yeah, I can't believe it. How many husbands does she have now? (laughs) Yeah. And that guy she's living with, right? Not her husband. Would you come to the well if people were going to talk about you like that? No. So she waits. So we know that, we know that she's kind of an outcast for her society. She comes in. The other thing is we know that she's a Samaritan woman because she's called Samaritan woman. Now, a Jewish man would never speak to a Samaritan woman. Never. A rabbi would definitely never speak to a Samaritan woman when they're by themselves. They would not interact whatsoever. In fact, the rabbi would probably go somewhere else. So this woman, who has a couple of things against her, enters into this well area. Jesus is there. And what does Jesus do? He engages her. He begins to talk to her. He knows who she is. In fact, he calls her out on it. Hey, where's your husband? Well, uh, I don't have a husband. He's like, that's right. You had like 17. And the man you're living with right now isn't your husband either, is he? She's like, Phew. that's right. There's no value there in her life. There's no value in her life in the eyes of her community and their society. Yet Jesus says, no, 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 no. Now, knock it off what you're doing. But know that you are loved. Know that there's value there. Know that there's worth in in who you are. Let me give you a drink. Right. And what does that woman do? She runs back and tells people she goes back into the town. She's like, hey, there's this guy out at the well. And he knew how many husbands I had. And he knew that who I was living with wasn't my husband now. But he still saw something in me. He looked into my life that you people had cast aside. And he said, no, 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 no. There is value here. You are loved and beloved. And she brought all these people out to meet Jesus, right? Do you think this is the last time she ever told that story? We don't hear from the Samaritan woman anymore, right? But do you think that this is the last time that this woman tells the story? Of course not. Of course not. For the rest of her days, I bet she would say, Hey, you remember when you all used to talk about me? Hey, remember that? Remember when that guy showed up and he said, You were loved? You're valued. You have worth. And anytime she would encounter somebody who was going through something similar, oh, I've been where you've been. In fact, I bet she continued to go out to the well at that time of day just to make sure that nobody else was there. Somebody else wasn't there that needed to hear that that message. She'd go out and go, hey, why are you here right now? Let me tell you a story about when I used to come here at this time. Let me tell you about value. That's redemption It's taking her pain and suffering and the fact that she was an outcast and by the world has said you are no longer worthy. And it's taking that story of redemption and using it to bring other people redemption. That's what God does. That's recycling, right? It takes this thing that the world has thrown away and said, no, 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 there's value here. A lot of times redemption, our redemptive power comes through our struggles and our pain, and our suffering. Through my pain and suffering with my daughter, Grace, I am able to enter into people's lives that I never would have understood before. I can sit down with parents who have kids who have medical or special needs, and I get it. And I say, I have been at that well. And I know what it feels like. Let me offer you Let me bring redemption to this time because it's in those valleys of our lives that we want redemption the most, right? It's in those times of pain and suffering that we cry out, Jesus, come, where are you? It shouldn't be like this. Come bring redemption. And it's on those times when we're up that we can truly bring that redemptive power. I've been there. I know that story. Let me bring value, worth, love, hope. Let me redeem this. And it doesn't just redeem them. It redeems me because it takes my pain and suffering and brings a new light to it. It says what you thought was worthless and of no value. No, 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 my friend. has huge value. Huge worth. Where are you called to be redemptive? Where, where are you called to walk into a world of darkness and to bring the light of Christ? Because this is that picture of redemption, right? A world of darkness, a world that, that, that throws away value constantly. Throws groups of people down and says they are no longer worthy. Throws institutions down, throws people down. Where in your story that God has created and walked you through has he said you have redemptive power unlike anyone else? For me, it's people who have kids with special needs and medical problems. And and I have some other craziness that's happened in my life. We don't need to talk about it right now because y'all would charge me. For others, it's addiction. You know who can speak to addicts the best? Addicts. You know who understands what it feels like to be cast aside by society because they have a problem and a disease that creates this addiction? People who have the same disease. Who understands what it feels like and what it looks like. Those are the ones who bring redemption to those stories. Where is it that you have this power of redemption? Where, Where is God saying, hey, you know what it feels like to do this, To be here. How can you use this? How is this redemptive in the kingdom? How is your story like the story of the woman at the well? Where you have a message of hope and liberation and freedom. Where you understand what it feels like to be cast aside by the world. But then somebody decided to recycle you. And to take that pain and suffering and to take that thing that the world thought was trash and to say, no, 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 no. Here's something beautiful. Where are the parts of our community that need to hear this message? Where are the places in our community that our community has decided to, to, to kind of push aside as no longer having worth? Who are the people in our community? That in the herd mentality of a community, we have decided to cast away and say, You no longer have value. Who are the people that need to hear? While the world says you no longer have value, let me tell you a story. You indeed are loved and beloved. As the psalmist says, You were knit together so wonderfully and beautifully in your mother's womb. Do you think God would just cast you aside? When he took so much time creating you and love and care creating you, you think that he thinks you're trash? No. The world may say that you are. But let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story to remind you of how worthiness and how valuable you are. Where are those places in our community, in our society, that we need to bring that message of redemption That we need to bring the message that what the world says is trash is not trash in the eyes of God. Because every single one of us was created in his image. Every single one of us, male and female, created in the image of God. And if that's the case, how can we ever cast anyone aside? We have the power of redemption. We have the power to go into places of darkness and bring the light of Christ May we have the courage to be those people. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, you are creator, redeemer, sustainer, and you call us to be the same. You call us to create whatever it is that we can to add to the kingdom of heaven. You call us to walk into places of darkness. To go into places where the world has deemed unworthy, unvaluable, and to speak hope. The hope of worthiness and value that is created as you create us. Help us to find those places where our stories of redemption can shine light into others. Help us to have the courage to stand in those places of darkness, knowing the light of the world through Jesus Christ and proclaiming that message of redemptive power. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen.